I was always on the fence about having kids. And then after one conversation with her, it's like, I'm in. And then two months in, she's like, I might be out. <laughs> so Jacqueline. <laughs> Dear Shandy. Welcome back to Dear Shandy, listeners. Hello, Andy. Hello. How are you today? Doing okay. Getting used to the new setting. Yeah. Yeah, we are actually getting kind of used to it. Yeah. Uh, we have an exciting love fest today. Our love fest couple, I mean, obviously, one of these people is from Bachelor Nation. But this particular person from Bachelor Nation is one of my favorite people, honestly, in the world, not only from Bachelor Nation, but she's just one of those people that has been a kindred spirit since the day I met her. And she is newly engaged, which puts her firmly in love fest territory. I think we can agree on that. Mm -hmm. So we are joined today by Jacqueline Trumbull and Paul Selly. Before you join us, I'm going to just talk a bit about you. So Jacqueline, you may remember from Ari's season of The Bachelor. I know you also went on Paradise, but you don't really like to talk about it, so we're not going to talk about it. No big deal. Jacqueline is currently at Duke University getting her PhD in clinical psychology. I think that's pretty mm -hmm. amazing. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, she's also the co-host of A Little Help for Our Friends, a podcast about mental health, which is lovely. And I have actually gotten a lot of help from it, especially the one about imposter syndrome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and her lovely fiance, Paul Selly, is a very talented, self-taught painter his work is incredible. And he's also a professor of psychology and neuroscience oh, at Duke oh, University. Oh. I know this is quite Slow the down. <laughs> and also he's Canadian, which always just needs ah, to be mentioned. The most important thing. Okay, I'll stop talking. Thank you so much, Jacqueline and Paul, for joining us. We are so happy to be here, Charlene. I'm, I'm glad we can finally bring one of our, like, usually margarita-fueled conversations. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. I do miss that since you moved down south. It, it hasn't quite been the same without you. She does miss you. Yeah, I really do. I can verify that. <laughs> so you guys, you're recently engaged. Congratulations. Congratulations. So we will be discussing that, of course, today. I know it's on the wrong hand, but my other hand is terrifying looking. So... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what does... Is it? You just got uh, one hand How out. terrifying What is does it? the other... Wait, I'm curious. It's not looking as bad anymore, but um, some guy in the Virgin Islands tried to give me a piggyback ride and oh, he stumbled forward and I ripped off two fingernails. So <laughs> I don't think beautiful, <laughs> beautiful things deserve to be on. Oh my goodness. Wow, that's really like all or nothing. Like one hand has got the red manicure and the other one yeah. is in... It's, it's funny when you, when you said that, I imagined that your other hand was just a little dry or yeah, something. Me too. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, that actually does look terrifying. <laughs> so you guys, today is all about your lovely relationship. And yeah, today is a day for you to just wax poetic about how much you adore each other and the ins and outs of your dynamic. And we definitely have some custom questions for you today, given you're both psychologists or in psychology. So we're going to start at the very beginning, though, and that is with how the two of you met. Um, I, in our first year of the PhD program, we have to take this thing called first year seminar. So um, the, the guy will have like guest speakers come in for a variety of reasons. And so Paul is a guest speaker that day. And his only instructions were like, talk about how to write well. And he was like, well, I can talk about that in 10 minutes. So do you want me to talk about anything else? And so the instructions were, okay, well, then just talk about your career. So 
this guy walks in and I think he's pretty cute and he starts talking about his life and there are so many like overlaps in our in our lives we both have philosophy degrees um both try he was telling us about like hitchhiking across Canada painting painting yeah. yeah um so I was just texting um my my friends around me being like oh this guy's my husband you gotta have to figure out you know, like how to him and hunt him and then you know make him mine um which is cool now we have those texts and now we are getting married so i was obviously successful and i was just i could he was kind of nervous um he i don't know he just kind of has this i don't really know how to describe it, it was just very like endearing <laughs> uh inner but so i was then just like making eyes at him the whole time with kind of like a shitty even grin on and I remember at one point my hair was in a ponytail and I like took it down specifically <laughs> to make myself hotter. And he remembered me. Only to, learn later, only to learn later that I prefer hair when it's up, but that's okay. She didn't know that at the time. <laughs> Wait, oh, wow, well, I'm amazing. caught up on the wrong part of the story, but you no, prefer I, hair up. I, I heard that too. Well, yeah, I don't know. I, it depends, I think. He's definitely in the minority of straight men. Can't do a top top button. Like yeah. Oh, wow. That's specific. They're very specific rules. Okay, so you first meet him as a student, and he's a speaker, like as a professor at the university, correct? Yeah, I observed him that way, and then I found him on Twitter. Okay. Wait a minute. So you're in his class, but you connected with him on Twitter? No, no, I'm not in his class. He was a guest lecturer in this other class. Oh, got it, got it. Okay, okay. so this was not a regular... I'm trying to turn this into a regular teacher-student relationship for my own <laughs> personal gratification. <laughs> So you see him in in a guest, he's a guest speaker for this class. What is your first impression of him? And then, Paul, I want your your version as well of her. I remember thinking he was really cute. I remember he was wearing these, like, really stupid-looking shoes. And so I remember thinking he's probably too hippie-ish for me and would never be interested in me. Um, yeah, I mean, I just remember being like, wow, we have so many overlapping interests. It's really quite crazy. And he's so cute. And how is he a professor? Because he looks so young. Um, but he's probably too, too hippie-ish. Yeah. And he probably won't be interested in me. You thought he wouldn't be into you, which is absurd. I can't imagine a guy not being into Jacqueline, honestly. Every guy that meets you is really, I mean, that's, Jacqueline has a... I'm, I'm not saying anything. <laughs> I think you, you're one of the most, like... I don't know, mysterious, like, I don't know anyone who wouldn't be into Jacqueline. But anyway, that's hemp shoes or no. Paul, I want to hear your first impression. <laughs> okay. So mine, yeah, I do remember just to um, backtrack a little bit, and this is going to make me sound so full of myself, but I remember there was the gossip that there's somebody in the psych program from The Bachelor. Uh, and I do remember briefly thinking to myself, oh, I bet I could, I bet I could win her over. <laughs> that one. Yeah. As for that class, um, I I don't particularly love presenting in front of groups of people, so I was like pretty focused on giving the lecture, but also distracted by her doing the flirty thing. Uh, I didn't know. I didn't know at that point that she was the one who was on The Bachelor. Did you know that she was flirting with you? Yeah, that was pretty clear. Wow. <laughs> Uh, but, yeah, but I mean, I'm also in the midst of giving a lecture, so there's not much room for me to act on. It's like, okay, forget, forget about that and get back to the lecture. And then, 
you know, she's flirting tomorrow. <laughs> this is, sounds like a scene from a movie. It a does. Rom-com. Yeah. Jacqueline, I'm so impressed that you're able to emit flirtation as one of many students in a room. That's pretty impressive. That is impressive. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like a 100-person lecture hall. There was like 10 of us. Hey, there was some good competition. (laughs) 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 So first impressions. So, Paul, you're like kind of distracted by her. You guys reconnect over Twitter. He split into my DM is a term that I was previously unaware of. But um, so... Well, I mean, you could tell the story about deleting Bachelor stuff, I suppose. Well, yeah. I mean, I followed him on Twitter, and I thought that I was on private mode, which is only important because later when he followed me back, I was like, oh, shit. And then I looked at my feed, and it was all just, like, super stupid Bachelor content. I was like, this is not going to impress this hippie guy at all. And so then I had to, like, really quickly start retweeting things from like Steven Pinker and other smart people, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then he, yeah. And then he followed me back, which I remember being thrilling. And then it took me like a month and a half to decide to DM you. I had to to get over somebody else. Ah. Yeah. And I I wasn't going to make like a casual pass at a professor. (laughs) (laughs) Just flirt with him overtly in class. (laughs) Yeah. Right, yeah. but I can I can deny that. So. <laughs> and then I think what what actually got me to finally DM him was um, he tweeted out a paper that he had done on intellectual humility. So you know we again we don't like like ex- don't like political uh, extreme political opinions and we don't like the contempt that is in the political discussions today and so. Mm-hmm. Me seeing that he is into intellectual humility, which is basically like, maybe I'm not as smart as I think I am. Maybe I have other things that I can learn from other people, Mm -hmm. Um, especially applied to liberals versus Republicans. I was like, holy shit, there's another like line of super similarity. Um, And it also gave me a plausible reason to DM him because I was like, oh, you know, twirling hair. I'm really, you know, interested in intellectual humility. Like, tell me. And then, like, you know, made some sort of, it, it, it was a purposely ambiguous message that would probably be received as flirtatious. But again, I could, it had plausible deniability, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Seems so, right? And then he was hooked. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. So this is getting good, actually. First mm. of all, great reason. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. And so, Paul, were you, you were already following her back. You had to be following each other for a, Twitter DM, see how much I know. So, Paul, I'm wondering, were you, did you have your eye on her? Like, you were following her back. Yeah, hesitantly, because it's like, I don't know the rules, right? Uh, like, I I was pretty new at Duke as a professor at that point. It's like, I'm not sure what's what's allowed. Um, so, you know, I just, I didn't want to make, yeah, I think, I think, uh, I picked up that that it might be that she was flirting, but it was sufficiently am- ambiguous that like I didn't know with certainty, so I just pretended she wasn't. Uh, and then we, we chatted about the research, and then um, you know things progressed, and it got to the point where it was pretty obvious. Uh, and so I had the balls to say, which I would never say to a woman, uh, "What's your end game here?" <laughs> Normally, I just like, let it out, but it's like, I have to figure out what the hell, 
like <laughs> what she's actually after here. By the way, great, great pickup line. <laughs> opener, good cold opener. <laughs> and then she indicated that, you know, she wanted to, to go on some dates. So at that point, um, I immediately contacted the deans, read through Duke's policy on dating graduate students. If you're a professor, contacted them and... Uh, and yeah, they gave they gave the go ahead. They gave the green light for it, and so then we started dating. Was it like did you just dash from their office to her bedroom, <laughs> or was it more nuanced? It was an email. It was email, but uh, yeah, but it was like immediately. Yeah. <laughs> like taking your clothes off as you're running across the campus. <laughs> That's okay. This is a cute story. It is. This is very, it's very Woody Allen plot here. It's good. It's good stuff. Did, was there any sense of that, like, even though it's you got green lit, was there any sense of that being kind of like, like adding a certain flavor to the relationship? Be honest. Yeah, I mean, yeah. well, there's just, which flavor do we start with? <laughs> <laughs> you know, in the first case, like, it really accelerated our relationship extremely quickly because not being, literally having to say, so like we met up in person and that's when he asked me about the end game. And I just remember I, I said something that I said something like "plus you're pretty hot." Like I made it very clear that there was a romantic element, and he just his reaction was one of like, oh, "Okay, yeah, okay." <laughs> I thought that's what was going on, like almost like oh, I'm, just, I'm so fucked now. <laughs> so it was like we we knew it was going to be complicated, and we had to go from there to like you know haven't even kissed to then be talking to deans about having this, you know, potentially stigmatized relationship. Um, and then you're not going to do that lightly. So then that, that really intensifies the beginning part of the relationship. He's mm -hmm. like, Oh, are we seriously doing this? Are we seriously putting ourselves at risk in this way? Yeah. I mean, I've always thought of it as it's not necessary to have like a great origin story, but it's a pretty cool one to have. It's a great one. I think it's a great one. I mean, it's a hell of a lot better than you, you met on Tinder. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Although no knock on the, the Tinderellas and, and whatever of the world. That's that's no, 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 no disparagement there. Well, it's actually it goes to show, too, that, you know, sometimes it pays to let your hair down in class and uh, I don't know. Like, I really like how Jacqueline was as forward as she was, because I feel like, Paul, you weren't really in a position where you could. Oh, I wouldn't have oh, done that. Yeah, you never yeah, would have no made a move. And we do get questions a lot on the podcast of, you know, like when your coworkers or especially if someone's a superior or, you know, it's sort of like, how do I make a move? Yeah. Do I make a move? Am I the one that has to make a move? And, yeah. you know, you're really living I think proof. you had to make a move. I mean, I don't know if you feel like this, but I, I really liked going after high-risk high targets. <laughs> it was a very aggressive forward dater. It, I like loved it. I know. I it's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but look, and yep. here you are, engaged. Conquest victorious. <laughs> Little addition to it, I don't know with certainty, but I'm pretty sure when we went on our first date, I had come back from a conference in Montreal, and... Uh, the the professor with whom I shared a, an Airbnb had a terrible cough um, and ended up actually cracking two ribs and which made it even worse because you know he's coughing away. I get home and then I feel you know we're supposed to go out the following night. We, mm -hmm. we made plans to do that and um, this is gonna be like our first date. Our first date, yeah. And uh, I'm pretty sure I had COVID. Uh, and this was in November of 2019. 
Wow. Yeah, so, and apparently it might have been in North America at that point. Mm -hmm. Initially, I think it was. And she thought I was bailing. We didn't even know what COVID was at the time, but I felt like shit. Mm -hmm. I was not good. Hopped up on Neocitrin. I don't know if... if... Oh, I know Neocitrin. Are you kidding? Mm -hmm. It's good stuff. Oh, I love it. Whenever family comes over, just as an aside, I get them to, they're like, can we bring anything? It's like ketchup chips and Neo Citrin. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, you know, I'm on uh, like 3000 milligrams of acetaminophen and supposed to go out with her and just kind of wanted to bail and, but really didn't because I didn't want her to think that I didn't want to meet her. So yeah, our, our first date, I'm pretty sure I had COVID and she didn't contract anything, or at least if she did, she was asymptomatic. So Wow. Okay. I mean, that goes, that goes along with your high risk dating <laughs> pursuits. <laughs> okay. I want to know how, like you go on that first date and you have these first impressions of each other. And of course you have all this sort of like discussion around it. How have those impressions changed? So what you were thinking then on, on that first date versus what you think now? Was, is there anything that you were way off about? I don't know. She was pretty, like, up to, like, really upfront about, look, don't waste my fucking time. If you don't want to have kids, we're not doing this. Like, <laughs> you just lay it on the table, the important things. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's different for you, but I'm not, I wasn't surprised. Well, the, the one piece of total misinformation you gave me it wasn't you weren't intending it to be misinformation but it was like you said you need a lot of independence from your partners and you don't really like to travel with your partner which was true in the past <laughs> it was true. Yeah. and then i was like works perfectly like i'm kind of avoidantly attached i like a lot of independence and then that actually became a huge issue in our relationship because i loved her too much and wanted to spend time with her. <laughs> how, how dare i <laughs> Such false advertising. I know, right? Yeah, selling her snake oil like that. Terrible. <laughs> there, there's some interesting truth in that, in yeah. thinking you are these ways in a relationship and discovering that it was just all the other relationships you've been in. Yeah. 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 Your walls had not been broken down yet. Yeah. The soft inner belly had not been exposed. Yes. <laughs> Jacqueline exposed she it. She did. She did. <laughs> Ripped you open. Ripped you're all you're all cotton and candy inside there. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So how would you guys say you complement each other? Oh, I think in numerous ways. Um, I mean, I probably learned more not only about relationships, but just, uh, well, a number of things like being social, different thoughts I've had on political issues, uh, philosophical issues where, I don't know, she's pretty goddamn smart and uh, has changed my beliefs uh on a number of things yeah i mean it says something when you bring that out in each other like you can actually be open to it i mean mm -hmm. what exactly what you were talking about the sort of idea that oh you do have something to learn from other people yeah. but i on like an emotional level i'm curious to know especially two people who are in the psychology field describe how you complement each other or is it just that you're so similar oh we're not so similar no yeah we're we're sort of um, I don't know. There are like a lot of, we're similar in like interests wise, but not at all emotionally or how we communicate maybe. Go on. Um, <laughs> he's much more vulnerable than I am. So he's, he kind of coaxes that out of me a little bit more than probably other partners would. What I like about us is that we continue to grow 
and especially in terms of like communication and values and beliefs around those values. Um, we still, like we were in a fight two nights ago um, that our first year would have taken like three days to resolve and then would have cropped up in, in two, like two weeks later. Um, and now we were able to resolve it that night. And I mm -hmm. just feel like that's because we both probably care a lot about learning to communicate better he can be super stubborn at first, but then he's able to really like let all of that down. And um, what did, I don't know. No, it's, true. it's okay. true. Yeah. Um, it's fine. It's just, it's amazing because when we get in these fights, he's so stubborn and I hate him. And then like, later, <laughs> <laughs> it's the reverse where he's all like, no, I really want to, I really, I really want to learn. We broke up at one point and it, he was like, it was, he was like taking notes. He's like, okay, and then what else can I improve upon? Okay, yeah, that. okay, what else? I was like, are you sure this isn't gonna hurt your feelings? He's like, oh, no, 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 <laughs> I am in a different mode. I'm in learning mode, so keep going, okay? Which is wow. like, cool. yeah. I like the student becoming teacher aspect of this. This is, this is good stuff. In case you've been enjoying the jewelry that I wear on this podcast, much of it is by Anna Luisa, and I'm a big fan of this brand, and we have a special deal right now. You can get 10% off by going to shop.analuisa.com slash Shandy for 10% off. But I'm pretty picky when it comes to jewelry. Oh, you sure are. I'm actually extremely picky. I buy clothes a lot more easily than I buy jewelry. Well, I've gotten you, since I've known you, at least 10 jewelry gifts. And I've returned every single every one. Every single one. <laughs> and I'm a big fan of Ana Luisa jewelry because it's really high quality. I love that they are carbon neutral. They mm -hmm. offset 100% mm -hmm. of carbon emissions in making their jewelry. And they produce their jewelry in limited batches so that there's less waste. And prices are fair. Yes. The jewelry starts at $39 per item. Yeah, no luxury markup. And I love that they care about sustainability because you really don't get that with most jewelry brands, actually. Most any brands. <laughs> they also appreciate a yellow gold moment, clearly. And I'm a yellow gold girl. <laughs> so, I learned that the hard way. <laughs> so go treat yourself and your loved ones by using the code SHANDY to get 10% off. Get 10% off by going to shop.analuisa.com slash SHANDY. That's shop.analuisa.com slash SHANDY for 10% off. Charlene, yes. question. Yes. Has it been easy for you to convince me to do things for my skin? <laughs> No, actually, it's funny you mentioned that. You are very resistant to trying new things with your skin. Mm -hmm. Finally, I've gotten you some prescription tretinoin mm -hmm. because Apostrophe has made it so easy. So Apostrophe is a prescription skincare company that offers science-backed oral and topical prescriptions. So whether your concerns are acne or aging or what have you, you can just sign up online and submit photos and then a real licensed dermatologist will review your concerns and your photos and then come up with a prescription plan for you. It's actually been life-changing because as someone who has used tretinoin for years now, varying strengths and mixtures, it is really like a kind of a pain and an expensive pain because mm -hmm. you always have to pay for those dermatologist appointments, obviously. Yes. And it might not even be the right prescription for you. And then you have to do it all over again to find another one. It's very seamless to just do it all online and get it shipped to your door. Also, mine has 4% niacinamide added in it, which I had never had in my previous formulations. And I love it. Not only has it made my life easier, it's actually improved upon something that I was already doing for myself. I've heard good things about niacinamide. 
Niacinamide is a very hot ingredient these days. Mm-hmm. Save $15 off your first visit with an apostrophe provider by going to apostrophe.com slash Shandy and using the code Shandy. This code is only available to our listeners. To get started, go to apostrophe.com slash Shandy and click begin visit. Then use our code Shandy at sign up and you'll get your first visit for only $5. That's A-P-O-S-T-R-O-P-H-E dot com slash Shandy and use code Shandy to get your dermatologist crafted treatment plan for only $5. And we thank Apostrophe for sponsoring the podcast. That brings me to my question of of your psychological background. So how does the juxtaposition of you both being PhD psychologists and you both being emotionally very different work? Is it an asset or a liability? Well, first, we're different kinds of psychologists. So I'm the therapist one and he's a cognitive psychologist, which is all just to say that he's not really he's not studying things like how to validate your partner or how to um, get along better or these sorts of, he's asking um, just different kinds of questions, um, like how to motivate people, how to enhance creativity, um, how to increase intellectual humility. So uh, it's not, it's not the same as like two therapists being together and then Mm. worrying like, Oh no, you know, my skills have taught me to, I don't know, approach this conversation this way. Yeah. I would say you're very interested in how the mind works. I mean, both of us are. And so maybe that plays into like willingness to grow, but I don't, you might be better. Yeah. I mean, because, because we do different fields, I think we can, we're just, we can learn from each other about the different things. And we're both generally or broadly interested in psychology. So yeah, I don't know a ton about clinical psych, um, but I'm learning more from her and then, she doesn't know a ton about cognitive psych and then she can learn from me. One thing about him though is that, so I'm much more like the clinician brain and he is so researchy brain. So he's like hypothesis. Okay. Now we've got our premises. We got to test it. And now we got to like, you know, see if we're right. So he's always trying to be extremely rational in conversations. <laughs> Even, uh, yeah. I love the, the trying to be. <laughs> <laughs> So, so sorry, just to wrap up the taking notes on the things you were doing wrong, Paul, uh, before I was interested in that. I, I don't think you finished, but how did that end up? And to be perfectly honest, were you in a desperation mode at that point? Or was it more of like, I think this, I've got this and I just want to really improve. Oh, I think desperation mode. Okay. That's very honest. It is honest. You know, I love her and I don't want to lose her. And mm-hmm. obviously the way I'm behaving is not working. And you know, I could point the finger at her and say there are certain things that she was doing that were all imperfect, right? But that's not going to get us anywhere. So rather than focus on her, I just focused on myself. And um, I think in so doing, it, it just, if if I'm not producing conflict with her, then it's not being reciprocated. So focusing on me, it just, you know, all many of the problems just went away. Mm-hmm. Um, even things that I would have pointed the finger at her for, it's like, oh, she's not being responsive in the way that she would before because I'm not eliciting that sort of negative response. So, mm. well, wow, if, such, so much. I mean, if I didn't answer your first question, yes, I am duly impressed. Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Good do, work. Do you want to add, I mean, this sort of is a segue to your favorite question. I do, I do like asking, you kind of answered it, but I would like more specifics. I want to know 
how now you guys resolve conflict on an ongoing yeah, basis. Yeah, how do you fight? What does the fight like how look do you, like? Yeah, what is the start from the initial, the, 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 the spark that sets it off, the actual fighting style, and then the resolution? So generally that lands on me, I think. Not always, but often. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I am trying to understand, but I don't, I don't always understand the onset of the emotional response that I get, why it happens. Uh, probably jealousy related in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll have this emotional response. And then in that moment, it's not, you know, it's best to just take space and not, I have to try to resolve things, let the emotions subside and then think about it. Um, and then also just remember like, look, I love her and we're planning on spending our lives together. So what's the point in letting this drag on for a week or whatever? We, mm-hmm. we both love each other. We might as well just try to resolve it and express love toward one another. Mm-hmm. So how, what I want to know is, so when this first spark happens, how many minutes in or hours in or days in do you come to that very mature conclusion? I mean, this was, this was like way more characteristic of our first year together, but uh, we were at a comedy show. The, the comedian said something and I was like, he, it's like you. And that like really pushed a button. And then he had this emotional reaction and I guess, be, I don't know how it ballooned into, like, what it ballooned into, but sometimes he does this thing where he wants me to feel ba- as badly as he does so that I can understand how he's feeling mm-hmm. versus just saying, I'm feeling this way and then hoping that I get it. Um, he's like, no, you're going to feel this yeah, bad that's too. True. Yeah. Some sort of forced empathy I go for at first. I do that too. <laughs> it always fails. Always fails. <laughs> And then that goes really poorly. And then that, that's what will like blow us up. Um, but so then I don't know, we separated, um, I mean, physically, and then you started texting me like an hour later. Yeah. Three minutes if later. Even, yeah. As soon as I got home, I picked up the car and went to see that you're okay. So oh. that was within like 20 minutes. Then. Oh. Yeah. Pretty, pretty quickly now. It used to take a while, uh, like, I don't know, days, a week. But yeah, as I said, it's just like you come to the realization that we, we just love each other and we're going to be together. So what's the point in prolonging prolonging the inevitable? Like we're, we're going to get back and uh, the, yeah, we start to miss her pretty quickly too. So it's like, yeah. Wow, it sounds like actually physically separating goes a long way with the two of you when you're resolving conflict. Oh, interesting. Because then it gives you space to sort of breathe, take responsibility for what you did to contribute to that. And it makes you miss each other. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. And I don't know. I've, I don't know that anyone's particularly good with their emotional responses. But like if I if somebody's heavily emotional, I don't think that's the time to try to reason through something or think about what you might have done wrong. You know, mm-hmm. just need space and let whatever neurotransmitters are floating through your brain subside and then come back to it with a more reasoned approach i think Mm. that works really well for you Mm -hmm. andy i've learned breathing is a great thing to do breathe it really is they always say that you know it's like (laughs) take a deep breath it'd be like no that's just figurative no it's literal like if you take a deep breath and then another one and then maybe a few more you'll be like oh okay yeah sometimes in the heat of the moment i get kind of upset when you need your space away but it actually it really does work the way you're describing it like i'm just heaving i'm doing heavy breathing (laughs) 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 
Okay, so I want to know what an early hurdle was in your relationship. Which one? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, our relationship was not great that first year. So, yeah, no. It was a separation. Uh, Yeah, a big big one was like, and um, I mean, yeah, Jacqueline was on The Bachelor. She's very attractive. She's um, not just physically, but uh, mentally. She's very smart. Um, Yeah, there are lots of guys who are into her, and she likes that. <laughs> it's honest. <laughs> the cute chuckle from the peanut gallery. Anyway, go ahead. And I, I just didn't understand that at first. That was a tricky thing for me to. And she's kind of taught me to be like, whatever. Like that's that's a good thing that other people are into me. Doesn't that make you feel good because I'm yours? I mean, it's not just that he was like this jealous maniac right out of the bag. We started dating, and as I said, it was like really intense really quickly. I said, I love you, like inappropriately early. And then we were talking about marriage and kids again, same thing. Because my pattern in dating would be to like fall super, super hard. And then once reality kind of hits, then I like slam on the brakes. And I did this like two months into our relationship. So he was totally just destabilized. He's like Mm -hmm. totally committed. Um, you know, yeah, like all in. And then I'm like, actually, I don't know, take some time to think about this. Like, maybe I don't want to talk about the future so much. So then, then all of a sudden, like lots of things became threatening, like Mm -hmm. attention from men. Yeah. 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 I was always on the fence about having kids. And then after one conversation with her, it's like, I'm in. And then two months in, she's like, I might be out. (laughs) So Jacqueline. <laughs> but it's true the uh, attention from other people is is a turn on yeah. as long as you feel s- totally secure in what you have. You, you have to think of it as I'm sure you've internalized. You have to think of it not as a threat but as flattery. It's like, "Oh, I own this really sorry, this is a terror. Actually, I retract that analogy." What? <laughs> was, Why? I, we we get enough hate mail. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Jacqueline is a no, I was going to make the car analogy. I'm going to go with it. I'm going to go with it. <laughs> to be, damn you, hate mail. It's like someone saying, you have a beautiful car. What are you, like, what are you saying? You want my car? No, it doesn't. It's, you know what? As much as it's offensive and derogatory, it's not meant to be, but it is similar. It's like when, when, when we're at a place anywhere and I see a bunch of guys looking at Charlene, the last thing of all the emotions I have, the last one is anger. I almost want to go up to him and say, thank you. You have, you have good taste. Appreciate your taste. Fine taste, sir. <laughs> so, so once you get over that, then you can actually use that, I find, as a way to strengthen a relationship because it not only makes you appreciate what you have more, but you're getting outside validation, but it also is, it, it creates this separation. So you know that, you, you know, sometimes when you're in a long relationship, not, not saying anything about our relationship, I see you as a separate entity, usually. <laughs> but I'm saying that going. after a while, you start to become one. It's like you start to walk around in your underwear and scratch your balls and like, you're like, whatever, who cares? But, but um, when, when you see that kind of outside validation on a, on a continuous basis, you start to more acutely be aware of the separation. And I think that's extremely healthy. As you know, I'm speaking to two PhD psychologists, but <laughs> a neuroscientist. But I think that's one of the healthiest, most important aspects of a stable long-term relationship is being like, I am me and you are you. We are one in many ways. We're a team, but we're not one person. 
And the more you see each other as separate, I think the stronger the relationship is. Anyway, that's my point. I think it's a, it's it's a positive, not a negative. Yeah, I totally bought in on that. And one of the things, I, I guess, another kind of early struggle was that I like I love hearing about my person's um, past sexual experiences or past girlfriends or like anybody who finds him hot. Like he, I remember once he was like, I was just at this gym, and this cute girl is hitting on me, and I was like pulling up a chair. <laughs> She's just like me. We actually bonded over this. We bonded over this many times, but I'm the exact same, Jacqueline. Like whenever I hear about a girl hitting on Andy, I just want to know every detail. Well, the problem is, is that then I think that other people are like that. And I will start talking about my past sexual experiences or ex-boyfriends or whoever hit on me. And then like, you don't even hear about that. <laughs> oh, yeah. you're coming around. Yeah, coming around. And I think, I mean... To your point, Andy, like, I totally agree. I think I think we're in the best place we've been in in our relationship. And a big part of that is owed to, you know, taking this different perspective and, and appreciating, you know, other people being attracted to her. But but it does, as Charlene said, it, it, you have to have the security in order to appreciate that. And I didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, we're talking about getting married and stuff. As Jacqueline said at first, it's like marriage, marriage, kids, and then bailed. Well, there, I just like didn't have any security whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what she wanted. But then gradually we got back to the point where we were talking about marriage again and kids and stuff. Um, and then getting, you know, proposals. And then I felt sufficiently secure again where it's like, okay, now I can, now I can appreciate it rather than be threatened by it. Yeah, that's a very valid point. I oh. mean, when you don't have a perfect trust bond, those little cracks can become very scary. Well, and it really gets to the root of the jealousy issue, mm-hmm. I feel like. You yeah. know, I feel like jealousy is just such a lightning rod topic with relationships. And so many of the questions we get from people are like, how do I be less jealous? But I mean, you're living proof that the second you feel secure in your relationship, it's all just sort of noise. And if anything, it's a compliment. Yeah. I mean, I feel like jealousy in a relationship can be looked at like uh, in a healthy relationship can be looked at like uh, riding a roller coaster. You know, it's just fun and you know, at the end, you're not going to die. <laughs> but, you know, jealousy when there isn't that trust bond is like riding in a bus where the driver has a gun and just, just escaped prison as a psychopath. You know, so it's it, it can be either fun, <laughs> exciting or terrifying, exciting. And it's preferably preferable to ride the roller coaster. It's a thrill. I thought you were going to commit to the roller coaster and say that the roller coaster, you weren't 100 percent sure. Oh, is I, was, like unstable I, was thinking, ground. I was thinking of maybe like it's like a the, the guy running the roller coaster is a maniac. <laughs> And and the and you see like ahead there's like cracks in the track, but I I, I wanted to go with the, the speed analogy, the Keanu Reeves, Sandra Bullock. So so um if you have the trust bond, I think the jealousy can be it can be great, it can be fun. But without it, obviously it's Okay. So we're moving on now. Enough about Sorry. our thoughts on things. Screw <laughs> You threw, stole my thunder and my terrible analogy. Your, your you. analogies didn't match. Your analogies were different. One was about a roller coaster and suddenly you're like, or a bus. Okay. You were supposed to commit to the roller coaster. You don't have to be on a roller coaster to be scared. Andy, if it makes you feel better, before you mentioned uh, speed, I was thinking of it and still down with the roller coaster thing. And uh, I don't know if you Thank know you. Canada's Wonderland, but they have the great Canadian Mindbuster, I think it is, where it's like a rickety wooden one. I know exactly what you're talking about. And that thing is that. See, I'm not into that. I'm not into that. 
that there's no certainty that the person yeah. is friends. I, I would be jealous in that relationship. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not familiar, but I get the point. <laughs> okay. So fun story about the two of you is you chose to propose to each other. I think Jacqueline, you proposed to Paul in November and Paul, you proposed to Jacqueline in December. Can you tell us a bit about those proposals, why you chose to propose to each other? And also, you've also had your wedding date also planned since before those proposals. So that's a lot of open communication about the future. So I'm just, tell us all about that. Well, you go first, you propose first. Well, that's my, really my only serious long-term relationship I've had. And I think one of the things I realized is that it's a relationship is not like, I, I was expecting it to be like being shot with um, Cupid's arrow, you know, like the relationship chooses you in a way like, oh my God, I'm just in love. And now I'm on this train that's just going to keep going. And then hopefully he will feel the same way and ask me and will be swept up. And it'll be such a surprise when he realizes he wants to marry me and then I'll be so grand. But instead it was like, we're talking about marriage in the first month of our relationship. Um, and then I go through this fertility process and find out that my fertility is threatened and now it's not, but at the time, so that really accelerated, like, actually we need to, you know, figure out what we're doing here. So we were having conversations at that point about getting pregnant soon. So the possibility of a proposal where the question itself was a surprise was just like out of the question. Um, yeah. So then it was, then it was more about, okay, well, how do we make this as fun as possible? And I have kind of extreme tastes. I like either like the diviest of dives or like the glitziest of cocktail bars. Like, mm-hmm. and I like that way with countries and houses and clothing, like a million different personalities. But anyways, really what that meant was that Paul had to pull off this like crazy wild proposal. And he is such when he decides to do something, you know, it's going to be magnificent. Like Mm -hmm. he's so successful at everything he tries, which is a pretty cool part about him. So he sets off planning this epic proposal. I start planning the wedding. Um, I needed to pick a country and then the venue just sort of, uh, I don't know, came to us perfectly. So I like went ahead and booked that. Um, And then as for why I proposed, Earlier in our relationship, when we were going through all this insecurity, I was like, well, if he said, will you marry me? It wouldn't have that surprise element that me asking him would have, I guess. like the, I would have provided so much more security to him if I say, will you marry me? I've committed. I've resolved my issues. Yeah, here I am. Um, so I, that, I like played with that idea, but I really wanted my own proposal. <laughs> so, <laughs> Later, when it was clear the wedding venue was booked, it was clear he was proposing. I just told him that, like, hey, I was actually playing around with this idea. And then he was like, well, damn it, I want my proposal. Like, why? Now I want one. It's well, so- yeah. Like, oh, I've kind of, you know, tentatively planned a party for you, but now I'm not going to throw it. <laughs> he wouldn't propose to me until I proposed to him. Correct. And so, yeah. yeah. That's pretty cute. I mean, Andy, do you feel a little robbed? No. I mean, he he got to have a proposal too. I, I'm it, okay it makes with sense, it. honestly. I, I think it's very cute and it's very interesting, but I'm a traditionalist. Oh, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, you guys, are, you guys are too wild for me. <laughs> too much. Well, the thing is, I'm a traditionalist too. Until I guess I realized how like 
I don't know, the, like how our relationship actually worked where all of these things had already been said. Yeah. So I don't know. It just, it was kind of like, just like, let's add a party. Yeah. It wasn't like a statement or anything like that. Yeah. It's an excuse to party and yeah. uh, a bunch of friends together. Yeah. What I like about your proposals is that you really found a way to bring that element of surprise into something that was just like into a topic between the two of you that had no surprises. Like you already had your date and venue booked, you know, like, and you had talked about it since day one of your relationship. There's just, you managed to give it a freshness. Yeah. I couldn't believe he was able to actually surprise me. And he, like, it was a mind blowing proposal. Okay. Yeah. We can't just skim over this. Tell us about, I mean, Jacqueline, your proposal was also really cute. Not that it's a competition. It is a competition. We're going to be grading both proposals after this. <laughs> oh, I win easily. Yeah. <laughs> I heard you win. <laughs> so okay, so let's hear about this proposal. It was amazing. I had some ideas and I was bouncing them off Jacqueline folks and some good friends of hers here in Durham. And then um, I bounced them off Caroline Lunny. Um and she's just a master. I think she's probably great at real estate, but ought to just have a business where she plans proposals for people because she really helped out a tremendous amount with this. We chatted for five hours, I think, the first time that we chatted. And uh, I think it was a little unsettling for you because it's like, who, like, why is Paul chatting with this bachelor babe for five hours? There's <laughs> like a bit of jealousy from her with that. I like for the excitement reasons, but <laughs> so, um, yeah, the, we essentially took some of the ideas. I definitely wanted it to be a surprise. Jacqueline had certain criteria where it's like a Michelin star restaurant, at least one Michelin star. And it's like, we're in Durham, Carolina. Like, this is not going to happen. The nearest one in DC. I looked into it, of course. It's like, fuck, I'll do it. Um, she, two days long. Two days long. Uh, she has to have her nails done and be dressed up very, like, you know, luxuriously at the time. <laughs> <laughs> the right word. I wanted to look nice. I wanted to look real nice and have her her, her <laughs> nails done and stuff. And so I felt so terrible about lying to her for months, like making it like, babe, you know, I know you really want to do Michelin star, but the nearest one's DC. Like we just can't pull that off unless you want to spend, you know, five hours in a limo going over there. Just everything I can do to make it seem like it's going to be in Durham or Raleigh. Uh, but then, yeah, unbeknownst to her, um, I knew the day that which she would go out to San Fran for her egg freezing before she knew, because I was in touch with Caroline, who was then in touch with Dr. Amy, who's the doctor who does the egg extraction. Mm-hmm. And May, who was doing the documentary and filming all of this stuff. Of course, Jacqueline told me like two weeks before she went out to San Fran that she was going. I had known months in advance. <laughs> Doesn't really keep me up to speed with stuff. But it, <laughs> you know. um, so, yeah, I had planned to get, you know, her mom and dad, um, some really close friends. Uh, Caroline and Kendall were, were out there. Caroline, uh, uh, Kendall, uh ostensibly to do egg freezing, but she was there for the celebration. And then I knew that they were going to do um, an art scene for the documentary having to do with the egg freezing uh, because Jacqueline paints and they wanted to build the character and like put that in there. So the idea was for me to do a painting, the one that's in the background of me proposing to her 
uh, and then have it up in the gallery where she's going to film the documentary and then just come out and surprise her. Uh, so Caroline ensured that she had her nails done and was dressed up nicely, which makes sense for the documentary. <laughs> Family and friends were all hiding in a storage room. I was around the corner. Um, she swore way too many times. It's going to have to be bleeped out for the documentary. <laughs> managed to surprise her. And then we had, you know, two days of the, the requisite two days of partying, uh, including a two Michelin star restaurant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Take that, Jacqueline. A boat was one of the other criteria. She had to have a boat. <laughs> criteria. <laughs> I want a boat. <laughs> I don't care if it's a two-star Michelin. I want a boat too. Pretty much. And so, so I, I don't know if I'm supposed to share this part, but I'm going to anywho. So Caroline and I had been planning this for months and, and then Kendall got in on it too. And it's, she's like, you know, I had her name as Colin Landry in my phone just in case. <laughs> She called or texted when Jacqueline was around. She had Mia some other name. Super. Caroline and my mother were in each other's Yeah, family. yeah. They were chatting. <laughs> wow. And then the night before, Caroline, Jacqueline, and Kendall decided to go out for some sushi. And then they ordered two bottles of sake. And she's wasted, puking in a bathroom. <laughs> and messages me the morning up when I'm at the gallery like I'm hungover as shit. And I'm like, fuck, Caroline. Oh, dear. <laughs> Then we go to the two Michelin starred restaurant and I'm just like gingerly cutting <laughs> and like seeing if I can keep it down. Like just licking your food and putting it back on the plate. <laughs> no, but you oh. have to, okay, you have to actually describe the proposal. So yeah, they were, they were, um, well, I, I was going to say pretending to film a documentary, but they actually were, this will be part of the documentary, which is cool because, you know, Kendall did some photography, but then we've got it documented in this documentary forever. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the painting that was there too. So the paintings on the wall, um, you know, uh, Jacqueline, Kendall and Caroline, I can hear them enter the gallery and they're walking through. And then the, she's been guided unbeknownst to her to my painting. Uh, now I find it, I was, I was questioning whether I ought to do that because that makes it pretty goddamn obvious that it's my painting, mm -hmm. but she's whipping out like, and I could hear her cause I'm hiding behind the corner. She's like, guys, that looks a lot like Paul's painting. And that's, and that's Paul's signature. <laughs> what's going on? And they're all just ignoring her. And at that point, I would have popped out, but May, who's filming the documentary, had you know was regimented about it. It's like, don't come out until I say something along the lines of, "Okay, great position, Jacqueline." So I'm waiting there for probably it was three seconds, but felt like eternity for both of us. And then I I pop out and told her I love her and and all the niceties and uh, went down on a knee and proposed and then uh and then a group of i don't know nine or so friends came out they had all flown in from across the, the country um and then we saved her mom and dad for last where then they came out and she again was just uh swearing like a sailor and that has mm -hmm. to be out from the documentary i suppose and and jacqueline do you mind moving your head slightly just, so we can see the full painting yeah let's see that i mean that's, that's a very romantic proposal. And that is a very distinct signature. Yeah. Yeah. Thoughts, because people kept ignoring me, so my questions weren't getting answered. So all these crazy <laughs> thoughts were going through my head. Like, does some other artist have the exact same signature as Paul? Yeah. <laughs> is Paul a fake? Has he been copying his art style? <laughs> I love that that's the direction your yeah. mind went into. So were you surprised? Yeah, I was shocked. I mean, the other thing is, we weren't even in San Francisco. They like we're right. in San Ramon, so we're in this random like right. suburb of California. Yeah. And suddenly, I see nine people, and my parents 
come out and, and including Paul, I didn't hear him say, will you marry me? So he starts putting the ring on and I'm like, well, you have to ask. And- <laughs> Wait till you watch the documentary. It was one of those cases, like, I don't know if you guys have seen Black Mirror where the, there's like memory for everything that's happened. Yes. Go back. It's like, oh, you're so going down, Jack. And I totally said, will you marry me? And you'll find <laughs> <laughs> Right between all the bleeps, right? So I have to admit, the thing we have to get to with this podcast is a website. Mm-hmm. And I already know that I will be using Squarespace for the Dear Shandy website when that day comes, when I have time to work on it. And that is because I am a longtime Squarespace fan. And anyone who's been reading my blog for a while knows that it's been Squarespace since day one. My blog, All the Pretty Pandas, is on Squarespace. We actually did our wedding website on Squarespace. So what I love about Squarespace is it really is the most user-friendly interface. And this is coming from someone who has done HTML before mm-hmm. and I've used other platforms. And let me just say, Squarespace, you don't need to speak HTML or JavaScript or what have you coding to make a really gorgeous website. It is truly the most user-friendly experience out there. And trust me when I say I know, because I've had websites really since my teens and there's no comparison. Like I'm never leaving Squarespace. And you know how terrible I am with technology, right? Uh huh. I built a website on Squarespace. Oh yes, a separate website for I did for a business. Yeah, me. I <laughs> built a website on Squarespace. Good job. It's the best choice for dum dums. <laughs> Yeah. What I love too is that they have all these fantastic templates. So whether you know that your main thing is going to be a store, like where you're selling product, or it's going to be a blog, or it's uh, going to be kind of like a portfolio, you can look at various templates to choose what will best suit your needs. And then you can see all these different models based on that. It is truly like the most streamlined way to get a really gorgeous and professional looking website. Absolutely. It takes the over out of overwhelm. It's just <laughs> whelm. So head to squarespace.com slash Shandy for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use code Shandy to save 10% off your first website or domain. Again, that's squarespace.com slash Shandy and use code Shandy. A frequent question that we get on the podcast is around the idea of knowing with a capital K. Do you feel there was a moment where you knew And do you believe in the one? Like, is there just, do you feel that you were meant to find each other on this planet? Or do you think that this is just the most compatible relationship you can find? Just what are your thoughts on the one in general and knowing? And was there a moment where you felt you knew? I don't know. I I think the latter said, yeah, I mean, almost 8 billion people on the planet. Is she the the best possible match for me and vice versa? Yes. Yes. That's the wrong answer. Yes. Definitely. Okay. Good, good, good. Yeah. So that's my answer. <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think this is something that really trips people up. Um, and it's like something my patients struggle with a lot is when are we supposed to just listen to our gut and, and our gut will lead us and it'll be almost choiceless, like keep it there again. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I'll just, I'll just know. And then I won't, it'll, yeah, it'll, our relationship will just drive off right off into paradise Mm -hmm. I had certainly a strong sense that I could be really into him and I fell in love very quickly but then again like I pulled back sharply and then I think a lot of what was fucking me up was the sense of like but I should know right I shouldn't have any anxiety I shouldn't have any doubt and so the fact that there was anxiety and doubt then just like totally took away the idea of the one from me and then exacerbated it and then made our relationship bad so no, I don't subscribe to 
but I feel like I'm newly not subscribing to it. Um, and I also think like that kind of sets you up for thinking that you're these kind of fully packaged people who have found each other and now you're going to be good versus ours was definitely one of change and growth. Like, oh, the reason we're getting married is actually because of this potential that we've seen in each other yeah. and how well we've been able to take a like a, a somewhat disastrous relationship and turn it into a really strong relationship. Yeah. Um, and that makes me feel like this is a partnership kit that can outlast. Yeah, totally. And to qualify what I said earlier, like, yeah, I don't believe in soulmates, for example. Um, but, and, and despite the fact that I said, you know, almost 8 billion people and there's surely there's somebody better for everyone. And the cases wherein the, the two most perfect objectively people meet are pretty much nil. There maybe is a handful of other people on the planet who would be as good for me as her. I don't know the actual numbers. So I'm not saying like she's super fucking rare and, and I'm appreciative of that. Well, it's true. Like, I, I don't know anyone else like her. Um, surely they're out there somewhere with the... This is the rational brain. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, cannot compute, cannot compute. <laughs> I, I think the answer is there is no better. There's just different and equally good. That's the way I always see it. It's like going to a Michelin star, you know, Michelin star restaurant. Yeah, it's like, this is amazing. And then you go to another Michelin star. You're like, this is amazing. It's a little different, but it's still the same. Still great. Can't get much better. This episode should be sponsored by Michelin. <laughs> I think they're doing. I think they're doing just fine. Um, that my, or Neo Citroen. <laughs> yeah. So my question to you, Paul. Sorry, Jack. I'm leaving you out. I have a lot of questions for Paul. Um, were you looking for someone who was going to keep you on your toes? Um, I have a lot of ways of describing Jacqueline, but let's just narrow it down to keeping you on your toes. Were you looking for that? Yeah, right. totally. I mean. I like a good challenge. Um, okay. I like to, I think I, I'm, I haven't done research on it yet, but I'm looking into doing research on um, romantic relationships and uh, platonic relationships and what really drives them. And there's already quite a bit of research on it, but my hunch is that a big part is um, an ability to learn from each other indefinitely that you can always, I, you know, she can learn some stuff from me, hopefully, but I can also learn from her. And I don't know, otherwise it feels too parasitic where one person is like teaching the other and there's no return, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I've had those relationships in the past, whereas I don't know, I view her as my equal and I don't know if she views me that way, but I think that's super important because, yeah. <laughs> super passive aggressive. Like she doesn't see that, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> Great answers all around, mm -hmm. you guys. I also Great. think in terms of the one, like what can happen is you just wait for your relationship to happen to you. And actually, I think one thing we learned from The Bachelor is that you can enhance your love by pouring effort into it. And so you're maybe more likely to pour effort into it when you decide, actually, this is my choice. I have yeah. agency over whether this person is the one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, can, I can grow the relationship with this person and therefore see if it has that power. Yeah. So, and that's part of the quick resolve or resolution to our fights, that very thing where it's just like, I have that power to say, fuck it, I love her and we're going to work and I'm committing to that. So there's no point in dragging this out here's what I did wrong. Uh, I love you. Uh, let's make up and, you know, move forward. You guys, wow. that's the perfect place it is. to head over to the game, the game. <laughs> and hopefully spark a fight between the two of you. I was just thinking <laughs> this feels like, this feels like a chess stalemate. 
You guys have you guys couldn't beat each other, so you're just like, well, we got to get married. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it is now time for the Dear Shandy Newlyweds game. Yay! Yay. <laughs> it's such a you, stressful experience. It, yes. it really was. Yeah. You guys seemed actually it wasn't you, Jacqueline. Paul was extremely stressed yeah. during this game. There's a lot of sweating going on. He was sweating. He was massaging his temples. Yeah. He was curled up in a ball at one point, writing on this his is knees. Not a, not a joke. He had his face in his hands at one point. Yes. So there's a lot riding on this. <laughs> I'm interested to see how you do if this was all just to throw us off the scent and make you seem less confident than you are. I think we're going to do poorly, but then when we see our answers, we'll be like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm predicting one out of five. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, actually, Andy. Andy has a tradition of predicting. Yeah. One out of five. <laughs> I, I, I will take that inside information. I'm going to go with uh, Jacqueline three to two. Okay. Who should we start with, Andy? Let's go with Paul. Yeah. Our Canadian. I'm curious to hear what this Canadian guy came up house. with. Okay, Paul. What is your favorite ice cream flavor? I don't care for ice cream. Paul doesn't Whoa. eat ice cream. Wow. Oh, Jacqueline gets okay. that point. More importantly, um, what is wrong with you? Yeah. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Fair enough. I hope the answer is lactose intolerant, but if it's not, you're a monster. Monster. Wow. Okay. I wish I didn't care for ice cream. <laughs> Do you really wish that you didn't care for ice yeah, cream? Yeah, because then I wouldn't. I mean, a lot of my caloric intake is ice cream. Let's yeah, but also honest. a lot of the joy you get in life is. Yeah, ice but cream. I assume that means Paul gets his his culinary joys from other. No, foods. I think Paul's a joyless animal. <laughs> he's a he's a he's an absolute disaster of a human being. I'm truth to both of those statements. Yeah. <laughs> Jacqueline, what is your favorite ice cream flavor? I totally got this wrong. I just made it. I don't think they're that dissimilar. Whatever flavor has the most crap in it. Oh, Rocky Road's got a lot of crap in it, right? Yeah. Oh, that's that's the most crap-filled flavor of all. Yeah. So you got it. Yeah, I think that he got that point. A hundred percent. I I kind of that's crazy actually. Rocky Road is the most crap-filled flavor. There's no question. There's no more crap-filled flavor. Nothing. Name one. Can you think of anything? You know what's funny is she kind of sabotaged him. Like, that was almost impossible for him to get. Yeah, you tried. You really did. (laughs) You devil. (laughs) All right. Good job, Paul. I just go for the one that has, like, fudge and caramel and pretzels and peanuts. Yeah. Yeah. Question number two. Paul, when you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? She won't get this one. (laughs) Oh, you wanted to be a vet. And she said musician. Aww. Oh. What you wanted to be as a teenager. Yeah, that's part of growing up. I wanted to be a teenager while growing up. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jacqueline. Okay, Jacqueline, what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be um, a TV biologist. Ah, I did not get that correct. Oh, pr- he wrote princess novelist. She Wait, wrote a, TV. A biologist. novelist of princesses or a novelist or a princess? Uh, b- both. A princess <laughs> who's also a novelist. Yeah. Wow. That is what I want to be now. Um, I wanted to be like Jeff Corwin or Steve Irwin. That's interesting that, that you wanted to be a TV biologist and he wanted to be a vet. So you really, you really. I told you. Close. <laughs> you never told me you wanted to be a TV biologist. <laughs> <laughs> You know nothing about her, Paul. Nothing. All right. Still tied. 1-1. Question number three, Paul. If you could have Jacqueline's blank 
what would it be? Lack of Ooh, jealousy. Ooh. Nice. Jacqueline, what was your answer for him? My social intelligence. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I feel socially unintelligent to write that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, Jacqueline. You did not read this situation properly because uh, you did not get that point. I would have guessed that. I don't know. Based on the conversation we've had in this love fest, I think that his was really on brand. I think you did well. I'm giving you my point. You were not going to get a point in the game, but I'm giving you a point for me. That's, a big, that's the most important point. Yes, but, it is. Thank you. All right, Jacqueline, if you could have Paul's blank, what would it be? Competence. 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 Good word. Nice. The first one's kind of similar. Intellectual confidence and his unconditional love. Ooh. What are we thinking on that one? I would unconditionally love in the same way that you unconditionally love. Yes. Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah. And I think competence and intellectual competence. Yeah. I think those, I think that's a match. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you think that, Paul. Uh, We're going to have to, we're going to have to say no on that. (laughs) Because I'm competent, I'm, I'm confident in my, my abilities. So I think that one works. Put it, put it this way. If I, if I told someone, listen, I need you to do my laundry go to the grocery store, get all these things and feed my cat. I wouldn't care if they were intellectually confident. <laughs> you get my drift? You, you don't get, you don't get the point. So, no, I totally get it. But, but uh, with, so intellectual confidence with justification on the basis of the competence, right? So if you asked me to do that, I'd do a good job and I'd be confident in my ability to do a good job. Yeah, but I feel like your confidence in your ability to do a good job doesn't actually mean that you might do a good job. In fact, you could argue that too much intellectual confidence could result in lesser competence. I also would agree with that. I would say that I would want someone with intellectual not confidence <laughs> to do all those household chores for me. So, Paul, no, you don't get the point. I'm despite sorry, Despite Paul. Paul thinking that he deserves that point so wholeheartedly, yeah. Paul, we're not giving that to you. I'm I have sorry. to be honest. I got the bonus Andy point anyway. Yeah. He already has my He's point. already yeah, won, yeah. really. You're good. You're doing okay. Okay. <laughs> Question number four. Paul, what is your biggest pet peeve? Oh, this one's uh, the novel. <laughs> okay. He wrote, people who confidently act as if they're knowledgeable about something about which they're... They aren't. They aren't knowledgeable. <laughs> okay. I think the second half of that was sort of a foregone conclusion, but but I appreciate you spelling it out. Yeah. I fully agree I with agree. your peeve. It's a good peeve. It's Such a, a good peeve. Tremendous peeve. Just admit that you don't know. Yeah. If everyone did that, the world would be a better place. Yes. The Instantly. Worst, yeah. Jacqueline, what did you think Paul would say his biggest peeve is? Self-righteousness on social media. Pretty, yeah, that's that's one uh, arm of this whole thing. That's, that's, where, it rears its head. that's where it rears its head it's, the most commonly. It really most commonly rears its head on social media where people think they know what they're talking about, but then they don't. I, I'm gonna, I'm, I, I think he deserves that, that point. I make it, I'm going to get, we're going to get I, that. What I like, though, is that Paul tries to argue the point, even when it's not his own point. Well, he's a PhD <laughs> professor. This is his job. So, yeah, Jacqueline, we're going to give you that point because I think that his peeve is reflected most commonly in today's age with your answer. Yeah, I agree. You well that. done. Well done, Good you job. two. <laughs> okay. Jacqueline, what is your biggest peeve? I wrote two. I also wrote self-righteousness on social media. but And then my other pet peeve that's more peeve-like is just when fancy restaurants give you fries and then they give you like 
aioli on the side and no ketchup, and then you have to look like. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I also feel this way. So annoying. Why would they assume you want aioli? Ketchup has been on fries since literally medieval times. Just give me goddamn ketchup. He also has a peeve when they give you ketchup and it's not enough ketchup. Yeah, they give you ketchup like literally it's a one fry ketchup. <laughs> It's like, what do you what do you think? I get I get an essence of ketchup on my fries. I want like my fries dripping with ketchup. It's not that complicated. When you have to ask for ketchup either. I mean, it's not like I feel terrible about myself, but it's not something where I feel sophisticated asking for, especially yeah. at a nice restaurant. Yes. Yeah, like I want some ketchup. <laughs> yeah. Well, Andy, presumably you've had your fair share of poutine. You know, I, I don't so, like to talk about poutine. It's funny you bring up poutine, Paul, yeah. because poutine is actually subject. a sore spot in our relationship because Andy thinks poutine is overrated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That, other than that, I love Canada. There's I, everything about Canada is fantastic except poutine. He thinks poutine is Which not, is worth not the bad. Calories. It's just average. It's quite good. That was my lunch most days in high school, in fact. Really? Yeah. Poutine with ketchup. Yes, huh. you gotta try it. Interesting. I will. I will put that in the uh, maybe, in the vault. Maybe ketchup is what's experience. missing from your poutine equation, Andy. Yeah. Huh. Or or aioli. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you'd get like the the Mounties would come after you if you tried to put aioli on a poutine. I'm dying to know if Paul got that very specific peeve. Okay. There's so many pet peeves, as we noted. I put jealousy, but. Uh, but that, I think that I think that one of them. One of the I didn't think about ketchup, but I did know that one. It happens on a weekly basis. He's like, God, God damn it! They didn't put ketchup in this. Yeah, you guys have that in common. I mean, it's it's absolutely true. I don't know if. Uh... I, I think personally that Jacqueline was trying to sink him on that one. Yeah, Jacqueline is subtly yeah, sabotaging yeah. Paul with a lot of her I don't feel that answers. there was good intentions behind that answer. <laughs> I believe your pet peeve is totally valid, and I I sincerely believe that you believe that, but I think you were trying to screw him. Yeah. I also gave him self-righteousness on social media, which should have been obvious. I don't care who wins. In fact, I hope it's you because I love you so. That's an oh, absolute lie. He answer. cares a lot about who wins. This is a lie. <laughs> All sorry, right. sorry. He doesn't care. Question number five, Paul. If you could only listen to one musician, band, or composer for the rest of your life, who would it be? Beethoven. Oh, wow. Oh. Very nice. Ooh. Bravo. Ooh, nice. Good sir. I was listening to Beethoven for five hours the other night in bed. Pink Floyd slash Radiohead. No, they're also there. Oh, oh, did you say Pink Floyd? Wait, what was this? What was the slash? What's Radiohead? Pink see. Floyd and Radiohead. Oh, favorites, yeah. Unfortunately, he likes Beethoven better, and Jacqueline did not get that point. <laughs> okay. Tell you that I like Beethoven better. It's just that if it's I only get one for the rest of my life, mm-hmm. I don't know. If there's something deeper and more emotional to Beethoven that I'd like to have. I think you're right. I think you could get sick of Pink Floyd while you're probably not going to get sick of Beethoven's vast body of work. To be honest, um, I, I, I've never said this before, but that's the best, for me personally, that's the best combo I could imagine. And I couldn't even think of it for myself. So if we were dating, if I was in Jacqueline's <laughs> position and you said that about me, I would fall deeply in love with you. <laughs> Even more, more deeply. We're yeah, all good. yeah. You got another one of Andy's secret points, Paul. Yeah, you get my point. Good job. Again. Even though it looks like you're probably going to lose this game. <laughs> okay, hey. Jacqueline. If you could only listen to one musician, band, or composer for the rest of your life. Amazing. 
Guns N' Roses, he got it. Wow. Okay. Okay. Very nice. Oh, it looks so, like I didn't do as poorly as yeah, you Yeah, I, I spoke too soon, Paul. Wow. We might have to do some sort of uh, tiebreaker. Or... <laughs> Wait, is it 3-3? Three, three? It's 2-2. Two, 2-2. Two. Two, two. Or, Andy, maybe we just embrace a stalemate, because that's the... Oh. Yeah, he, this is... <laughs> Wait, wait. Oh, slow. Oh, oh. <laughs> wait, is that actually what the two of you want? In would you, this would you like a stalemate? We will grant you that. Or do you want a tiebreaker? I kind of want to kick her ass, but also, I don't know. I, I like the. Uh oh, uh oh. Pens are out. Okay, for the Pens listeners out. out there, Jacqueline just tore the, the cap off of a Sharpie. They it's, want to continue. We're going. We're doing it. We're All going right. to the mat. I thought about giving you one that was relatively easy, but we're trying to break this tie. Mm-hmm. So, tiebreaker question. What is your favorite smell? There's no, there's no way he's going to get mine, right? So, I know you're not going to get a point. Well, <laughs> let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, Jacqueline. If he does get it and basically teaches you what your favorite smell is and you accept it, will you love him more? Is that possible? Wow. Oh. So, there's potential for additional loving. Yeah. Do you hear what she said? Is that possible? She she did say, "Is that possible?" Oh, is oh wow. That's very sweet. That is sweet. Yeah. I thought she said it is possible. <laughs> <laughs> it's sweet no matter what. <laughs> Cute. Okay. All right, you two. Paul, what is your favorite smell? She said, "Jacqueline." Jacqueline. Oh. I put body spray because he keeps wearing it. That's <laughs> your. Favorite. Baby, I thought you were gonna put for me. Okay, so Jacqueline said Axe body spray. She took his really beautiful answer and kind of turned it into an insult. That's just a shame. Okay, sorry, Jacqueline. You did not get that point. Jacqueline, what is your favorite smell? I don't have one, but I just put a bowl of ramen. Oh, pretty goddamn close, but not quite. I almost put slash ramen, like it's food for sure. I want to give that to you because we know what you mean, but we cannot. No, you're not getting that. No way. You're absolutely not. Yeah, you're talking about literally a country, Japan, a proud country, and a, a Southeast Asian country has nothing to do with Japan whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I'm, offend- I'm offended. This call is over. No, you're not getting that. Yeah, no. I mean, you both put broth noodle soups. No. But unfortunately... Doesn't count. It doesn't count, which means we're going to have another tiebreaker question. Wow, we're going into double overtime. Okay, double overtime. Oh boy. Okay, well, we're gonna we're gonna make this one a little easier yeah. now. <laughs> Paul, it's your last meal on Earth. What do you order? He wrote chicken wings and hot dogs. Really? That that's Both. your last meal on Earth. And she wrote hot dogs. She, she wins. She got that point. That's a point. Jacqueline, it's your last meal on Earth. What did you? What do you order? Okay, she said ramen. He also got ramen, so it's another tie. Wow. Okay. <sighs> so are we gonna are we gonna keep going, or is this it? Are we gonna we can keep going? We got we got another question. You have an evening to get to. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't. I mean, she has an opera to sing. I have an I opera know. to sing. I've I'm called in an hour and a half, but we have time for one more. It's up to you. Do you yeah. want to have no, a winner, or do you want to just end it here? Let's do it. All right. If this is still a tie, we're going to end on a tie. But we're trying a third tiebreaker here. Unprecedented. Unprecedented. But mm-hmm. we're determined to have a winner here today. Paul, you're stranded on a desert island and can only take three things. What do you take with you? Jacqueline? Selkie's our dog. 
Oh, Selkie's oh, oh, the, the dog. And Puff is, is our black cat. First oh. of all, Puff got one of our pets. In second of all, I'm only allowed three. <laughs> so he wrote, he wrote Jacqueline, Selkie, and Puff, and left out one of the three pets. Gibbo <laughs> <laughs> is a terrible. I love it. And he shits in the flower pots. <laughs> I, I'm with you. He stays. He stays. But Paul, I feel like you haven't thought to to feed or to hydrate your loved ones on this desert island. Yeah, you really... I can deal with that. I've watched the show alone. I know how that works. Okay, so Jacqueline, what did you think yeah, Paul would think say? pets are going to become meals, Paul and I wrote fishing net in a tarp. Because we watched the show alone together. <laughs> okay. I would fashion my own. I would fashion my own. I wouldn't bring it with me. What a waste. I can't bring selfie otherwise. Okay, so... Jacqueline did not get that point. No. Let's see what. Ooh. Okay, Jacqueline, you are stranded on a desert island. What three things do you take? She wrote a fishing net, a hatchet, and a tarp. Very practical. I guess our animals are just all going to die then. <laughs> well, at least they're not going to be eaten by you because that's what would happen if your wishes came true. Paul, through. what did you write? You wrote Puff. Scipio, that's the other cat that she loves, even though he's a piece of shit. <laughs> and then tra- Trazodone, which helps her to sleep. <laughs> Okay, so it's zero zero. You guys, I'm sorry. There's yeah. no winner here. That's a lovely ending. Oh, this is, it's very good. It's a symbolic, yeah, uh, symbolic. ending. For yeah, this yeah. Whole thing. Yeah, it really is. That yeah. represents this newlyweds game. I feel. Yeah. You know what? I like this ending. This is a great ending. This is good. This is the way it should be. Yes. You guys, it's not. You're never gonna win. Neither of you will win. Yeah. Well matched, indeed. You guys, thank you so much for joining us today. Really, thank you. It's a pleasure. You were lovely guests. Very amusing. Thanks for having us. (laughs) Thank you. Bye. (laughs) Okay. We have to do a really fast wrap up because I have to go. (laughs) But they were lovely. Lovely. I mean, what can we say that hasn't been said? No. We knew they would be great. I've been looking forward to this one for a very long time. Yeah. We're going to have to have a double date in life soon. Yes. He's delightful. Delightful. Canadian living in the States. Once again. There's a certain flavor there. I'm sorry. The best way to improve your life (laughs) is to be Canadian. (laughs) Or to be with a Canadian. Or to be with a Canadian. Yes. You don't have to become a Canadian yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Just Im- Im- imbue yourself with Canadianness. And how funny is she? Jacqueline is like the driest funny person. She's great. Yeah, she's great. Okay, I, I have to go. So <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> as much I- as we'd love to yeah. opine yeah. upon Jacqueline and Paul, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's norm- an opera to be sung here. <laughs> <laughs> and normally we would spend the next five minutes talking about the dynamics of the relationship yeah. and how great they are. But you get the gist and I have to go sing an opera. So yeah, that's it for this Love Fest episode. Yes. If you enjoyed what you heard today, you know what we will ask of you, and that is to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, follow us on Instagram, tell your friends, leave us Apple and Spotify podcast ratings and reviews, and generally, yeah. Oh, and check us out on uh, TikTok. Oh, yeah. (laughs) We're TikTok now. We TikTok. We tick and we talk. Yes. Both. Heavy. (laughs) And generally do all the things you would do to support a podcast that you enjoy. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on Dear Shandy. Bye. Dear Shandy.